Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there wrestling fans and welcome to episode number 31 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is Dean Ayers, the twisted genius of professional wrestling and I'm joined as ever by my esteemed colleague, the sports columnist, Liam Hat. Liam, how are you doing on this Sunday evening that we are recording on? Yeah, well, I'm feeling it a little bit. It's been a very emotionally taxing day because not only is it Sunday, it's Mothering Sunday. So I've had a big old thing for Mother's Day. We've had uh, uh, my wife's parents and my mum had a great big dinner around the former's household daughter in tow all good all good and then I've, I've spent a little bit of time after the dinner was all said and done and the beers were drunk <laughs> I've, sp- I've spent a little bit of time reminiscing on the fact that 18 years ago today we had the very last piece of output from world championship wrestling were you aware of that uh, no i didn't I, yeah it was yeah, it was the end, end of March 2001, of course, yeah. Yeah, we had the anniversary recently of the day WWE purchased them. We've had the anniversary of the spring breakout Nitro, where you obviously had the big ending with the dual screen and Shane McMahon, etc., etc. But yeah, on this day 18 years ago, an episode of Worldwide pre-taped went out, and that was officially the last content. I think if you look around on Twitter and YouTube and that, there's very grainy footage of I think it's Tanae and Hudson signing off for the final time always always gets a lump in my throat what could have been Dean what could have been nah, well what what could have been can be uh, can be seen in the fan fiction that you continue to write that's that's what I like to think given, given that so much of it is uh, borrowed from what happened in TNA I just leave out you know the Johnsons and the and the, mid- and the midgets beating off into trash cans. I leave that stuff out and focus on guys like AJ Styles coming to prominence only under the WCW banner. Yes. Incidentally, uh, I must just uh, inform our international uh, listeners that we are both based in the UK and we're referring to Mothering Sunday, Mother's Day in the UK because I know it, I know it varies all around the world. The last thing I'd want is, you know, one of our American listeners thinking, holy shit, I've missed Mother's Day. Um, you haven't. Yours is a different day. Yes, but thank you guys for listening consistently, especially you guys I see in uh, Philadelphia and Detroit who we're getting regular, uh, regular downloads from. We seem to be very uh, popular. Hubs. Yes. Wrestling hubs both in those cities. That may just be it. I do love Philadelphia. You and I have both ventured there, yep, to a good old Philly. Can't beat it. Both on wrestling pilgrimages as well. Indeed. Indeed, yes. Uh, the, other, the other thing that's happened in the uh, in the UK this week is that, well, today, in fact, the, the clocks went forward an hour. And uh, it's completely thrown me. It's terrible. It's just, it was one hour, but everything just seems out of sync, and I just want to sleep all day. 
Yes, fair enough. But on the bright side, Dino, we're uh, we're about to get great summer daylight. That's what matters. It's only just got dark, and we're doing this pretty pretty well swung into the evening. So it's nice that it's not dark at four o'clock anymore. It is very nice. So uh, yes. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. So we are we are today uh, watching another episode of WCW Monday Nitro. This is episode seven, which was originally aired on October the 16th, 1995. So if you do want to watch along with us, um, I have got my WWE Network lined up. It's paused on zero, 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 as always. Uh, we'll we'll you know we'll give you a moment just to, to get you get yourself sorted out and get yourself queued up with us because uh, in a few seconds time we'll it'll be time for burning buildings Liam. I do love a burning building. Unless you're uh, you're Curtis Chapman, um, British wrestler. Just want to put a shout out to him because uh, that's Curtis with a K by the way. Um, Paul Fenner uh, is basically um, his, his house is burnt down. Um, oh, this, yeah. is, this isn't a joke. This isn't a storyline. This guy, he legit, his house is burnt down. Um, and uh, there is a GoFundMe page for him. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, ch- chuck that into Google, Curtis with a K, Curtis Chapman, GoFundMe. Um, one of the, a, a real bright star of, uh, of British wrestling based down on the south coast in Portsmouth Way. Uh, lovely fellow as well. Um, you know, a few years ago, um, I actually lost vir- virtually all my possessions in a flood. Um, so this is kind of the opposite, losing all in the fire. If only the two things would combine today, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I know what the guy's going through. He'll bounce back. But, um, yeah, anything, anyone listening, if you want to uh, chuck a few quid towards, uh, towards him, I'm sure he'll be very grateful. Right. So are you ready, Liam? I, after feeling extremely uncomfortable about saying, and I quote, I do love a burning building, and then you go into that, I'm now ready. I really should have rephrased so it. You, to, be, to be clear, I love a burning building on the opening montage of a television show. So you, you, just, triggered, you just triggered a thought in my head. Yeah, um, in no other context do I like a burning yes. building. <laughs> Incidentally, if um if the sound quality isn't quite the usual sound quality uh, that you expect from us, I just want to make uh, point out that um I'm I'm recording on a different device to usual uh, due to circumstances, and normal service will be resumed uh, for episode 32. But uh, here we go. So we're going to press play in five, four, three, two, one, boom! Here we go, and it's time for those burning buildings that yes. we talked about. There's there's the hawkster dropping an egg. An egg or a leg? Either or. I was going to say there's two very distinct things here, and those uh those yellow trunks would go brown in a heartbeat. Maybe <laughs> that's why he was wearing darker clothes in this time period. Uh, yeah. <coughs> but yeah. So well, we're far... live as live can be because uh, who <laughs> was taped this week? Yeah, uh, I tell you what. After after all the needling as well, but yeah, I mean, the, so so far so good for the first six weeks. We've we've liked the overall flow of it. I think the only threat to it was uh, the fact that the whole tired Hogan versus Dungeon of Doom thing shows up a lot. 
Oh, yeah, yep. and Mongo's dog. But apart from those two things, we've enjoyed this so far. And let's see where this takes us, because we know how good 1996 gets. Well, there's where the batteries go. Heenan talking about the, uh, the dog's backside. Why is he... I don't quite know why Pepe the dog is dressed as some kind of space alien. Yeah, he's no Pepe the horse, is he? He's Charvo Guerrero Jr. had him beaten there. So, what, what we, we're looking at WW Pro, Flair and Sting. Yeah, because last week Flair said he wanted both Pillman and Arn. But he's looking for a partner for it. Yeah, this is quite a famous interview. He's, he's basically warning Flair that he's going to trust him, but there's going to be heavy consequences if it's a swerve. Spoiler alert, it was a swerve. Oh, dear. It's, it's also part of the reason Sting has a reputation of being the dumbest character in wrestling history. He's the most gullible babyface in history. Also, I did like the fact that for that promo, Flair was dressed like uh, a middle-aged holiday rep in a midlife crisis. Yes. Here comes Kimberly, and here comes DDP, who is the world television champion at this stage. And, you know, one thing this podcast has given us is a fascinating look into the uh, the evolution of Diamond Dallas Page as a character <laughs> as a wrestler. And he, he just, just faced the mascot. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Someone should do that in modern day wrestling. Do you get mascots much in modern day wrestling? Oh, just build one up. Have an excuse to have it at the venue for six weeks just to build to inevitable hill pie facing it. It'd be worth the time and effort, I, I swear. But yeah, you're right. The evolution of character is amazing. And right here, we are very much in the mid card cigar chomping bad guy. We haven't done the uh, the bingo winnings and downward spiral angle, but we are very much in the midst of probably his most notable feud before he had the big thing with Randy Savage, and that's Johnny B. Bad, because these guys wrestled a lot for six months, and the matches well, just kept getting better. Yeah, we've seen them on pay-per-views that we've already covered. Mm. So, so yeah, we see that, D, that DDP got a left hook from uh, from Johnny B. Bad during a backstage interview. And uh, here he comes. He's got the bad blaster, which is in no way phallic at all. No. And a cape that the macho man himself would be proud of. Yes. In fact, I reckon Savage wouldn't be happy with him twirling around uh, in a very, very savage style to show off that cape. Well, to be fair, Savage is in a new chapter of his career where he wears suits that give the viewers seizures. <laughs> oh, yes. But I've got to give a shout out to Kimble at this stage because, oh, you know, there, there's not been a stage of her career really where she wasn't extremely good looking. But she, at the oh. moment, she's still in the phase where she's the very naive... Uh, baby face partner of the hill and her happy-go-lucky demeanor here is, is just fantastic I love it now we we haven't got much of a match here because DDP has just smacked Johnny B. Bad from behind with the TV belt and has knocked him out and I think 
yeah, looking at Nick Patrick, he thankfully hasn't had to take a bump himself. Um, he has DQ'd him before the match even begins. I didn't even know you could do that, but apparently you can. Development. Paige wants to make the cover. <laughs> and then he shoots off the bad blaster. So in WCW logic, they've had several defenses for Diamond Dallas Page of the TV title when the match hasn't been on TV. And now we do have it on TV. The match doesn't exist. I, I mean, other than the fact that this crowd, now, now that the, the TV show, you know, they've had the pyro and all that, and they know that dark matches are over. This is the start of the TV show. You've got a crowd there that probably pumped for the first wrestling match and would give that proper match an enhanced atmosphere regardless of what it is. Other than blowing that on this thing, rather than, you know, doing this in the middle of the show, this, this is a good angle and DDP is a great oh, yeah. hill. I mean, the reality of it was that uh, Bad had got a rib injury and he hadn't been cleared to come, or I wasn't ready to come back yet. Mm. But, so this, part of me thinks, well, why can they give him an opponent that, could have given him a match but on the other hand as you said this is a good good way to develop the storyline I'd have just swapped it with my well we've got Benoit Guerrero up next I'd have swapped the two around give the crowd Benoit Guerrero to, to sink their teeth into while they're buzzing and then run the angle in the second segment that would have been my personal preference it's a nitpick mm-hmm. uh, here we go it's our advert for um our advert for, for Havoc with the Monster Trucks featured. Yes. Now, this, Dean, is not a nitpick. Fuck the Monster Trucks. <laughs> There's no nitpick in there. There's no minor constructive criticism. What a load of shit. <laughs> yeah, we are well on the road to Halloween Havoc now. Yeah. few matches um, being built towards. Bischoff still talking about all the cities they've been in because obviously they're in a new city every single week because they're live every week. <laughs> Don't labour the point, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, Guerrero got, was it five minutes against Dean Malenko a couple of weeks ago? How yes. long do you think this one runs without peaking? I've already peaked, so I can't. Ah, oh, I haven't, so I'm going to guess six minutes. Okay. Am I warm? Eh, we'll see. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Benoit's music always reminded me of a track off the uh, first ever Fat Boy Slim album, Best Living Through Chemistry. Can't remember the name of the song now, but it's about who's, a full point. Who's what? Benoit's Fat theme song. Benoit's theme tune, yeah. It was a, uh, it's it's a direct rip of ACDC. Ah. Uh, DT is it called? I have to double check that, but yeah, I'll show you the track after this is done. This is where we realise that I don't listen to ACDC, isn't it? Yes, it is. Apart from big balls, obviously. There was a. Were you familiar with a Canadian independent wrestler in the two thousands called Max Boyer? No. He very much ran like a he 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 was a tribute to Chris Benoit, very very similar style, modelled himself after him. This was before two thousand seven, obviously, uh, and he used the real uh, ACDC track. No. Very smooth wrestling so far. This is you know yes. your 
this is your Mexican style, which obviously both of them are skilled in. Both of them are well versed in. They've competed extensively in Mexico, both of them. See, this is right there for the post pyrotechnics crowd. And then, and then have Paige and... Nice. Oh, no, I'm kind of just repeating the point. If Bad, if Bad and Paige had done their angle after this, I think it would have flowed much better. Okay, so the crowd, or at least the, the crowd at the front that are within camera shot, they seem to be reacting to all this, and Guerrero's getting them going. Mm. Guerrero's still a plucky baby face. He hasn't been around long. Nor has Benoit in a full-time capacity. He's he's shown up on WWE content for years, but now he's going to have a... You know, once Halloween Whoa. Havoc is said and done, he'll have a... Oh, that was a big move. That was Stampede-esque. Yes. Well, went for a belly-to-back suplex near the ropes, which doesn't make sense in its own right anyway, but they both went backwards over the top rope. Belly-to-back equivalent of what Brett and Dynamite Kid always used to do with the vertical suplex, and they both spilled out. It always yeah. looked frightening, and yet they did it almost every match, so they clearly had control over themselves. Now, that is, uh, that's an, an old world of sport finish, where the, the, the match gets stopped because both men are injured and can't continue. Mm. Which happened a hell of a lot. When, you, when I look back over it now, it happened a hell of a lot, where it'd be a, like a screwy finish to protect people, but it was presented in a certain way that made it look legit and no one, no one ever complained about it because they bought it. Yeah, I mean, two, two wrestlers going over the ropes at the same time is a routine occurrence. But the way in which Benoit and Eddie have done it there and the way guys like Britain Dynamite do it with a vertical suplex, it looks scary. It gets a gasp. So you can completely buy that as a as a finish after that. But that just uses a transition here, which is a shame because, yeah, it was, it was a great spot. But these two are going hammer and tongs. This is, yeah, this is great. Northern light super. Oh, he didn't, I thought he was going to bridge, but he didn't. Big in. So again, this is, this is your, your high impact offense from, from Benoit, that he, and your intensity that he was known for. He's... I mean, these, the, these two guys, you know, at, at this time and later on as well, well, you know, two of my favourite wrestlers in the world. Yes. Benoit's doing the... He, he slotted into the heel role. It's somewhere he's going to slot into more permanently in the months going forward. Well, I was going to say, how long is it now before he joins the Horsemen? I mean, we're, we're pretty much building up to Halloween Havoc. I don't know. I need to double check just how many more episodes there are until the pay-per-view. It can't be many because it feels like it's been an eternity between Fullborn Halloween Havoc. But that's where yeah, that's where the trigger's pulled. Yeah, this is all great tornado DDT. Nice. This is such. This is just so smooth. This is fantastic. Yeah. But well, this I was going to say. This episode's the 16th of October. I so we're either one or two weeks away. Do you know what we should have looked at the rather than moaning about monster trucks, we should have looked at the fucking advert because that would tell yeah. us. The I think, for, given it's Halloween, I think thirteen days seems realistic. So maybe yeah. one more nitro seems about yeah. right. Because it'll be the sixteenth. Add thirteen days, twenty ninth. That sounds right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that would be my guesstimate. Yeah, this has been fantastic so far. 
Benny Sabak suplex reverse into a crossbody by Benoit gets a two count and Ben Benoit so reverse by Guerrero gets a two count. But Benoit notice how even though Guerrero was hitting the offense, Benoit gets up because quicker because it was it was a sort of a desperation move from Guerrero who's still down on his knees with Benoit up on top. Hmm. Yeah, however long this goes, and I think it's already past the Guerrero-Milenko match we had on Nitro a couple of weeks ago, but this has definitely had a lot more about it. They've, they've run through some moves quite fast, but the the roles are clear, the tempo's good, as you said, hope spots as well. It's, it's been engrossing wrestling. And uh, Eric Bischoff is... Uh telling us once again that we're live and if you're if you're into wrestling you should stick with uh, stick with us because everything is live oh, just effortlessly throwing Eddie Guerrero over with that judo throw yeah this is just uh, this is a great technical match with a, a subtle story to it of Benoit kind of just dominating his opponent. It's... We we may be breaking the Nitro match length record. Not that the bar is very high. <laughs> we got more uh, more Mexican offense with the uh, with another Hurricane Rana there. But it was it was set up with the uh, the finger interlocks and leaping up onto the onto the chest, and, and to be fair, in you know '96, that kind of offense wouldn't have been seen too much in the United States. Oh no! Guerrero folds him up with a with a uh, belly to another belly to back suplex with a real snap to it. I mean, this is the crowd are now kind of not paying as much attention as they were before, I don't think. Yeah, it could be an argument of a slightly shorter match would have worked for them because they've actually told a story, unlike some of the rush matches we've seen on Nitro. Well, Guerrero's coming back now. He hit a big brain buster and he's now pulling, pulling Benoit in position for the frog splash, which a few people are reacting to. But And he, oh, he went for the frog splash. Benoit gets the knees up. That got a bit of a gasp. But, I mean, they weren't all that well-known compared to how much better known they became later on in their careers at this stage. No, and... and having... Jesus Christ! Did you see that powerbomb? Yes. And it Fucking didn't get the finish. smashed into the canvas. Ben was rightly selling it as he's furious it didn't get free because he stuck him. Yowza. Instantly, if uh, if my uh, IPW promoter Billy Wood is listening to this, I don't say fucking hell he smacked him through the canvas on our shows. Maybe you should. Do you I reckon? Kid. No. I like I like keeping my job. Yeah, I, I, I hear Nelson that's a good thing to do. Oh. <laughs> Full Nelson suplex. That's a tiger suplex. I Dragon believe. suplex. Dragon suplex. Tiger. Tiger is. Arms around, arms around, yeah, arms yeah. around the back. That's like, like what you do when you're holding him for a teammate, sort of thing. Yes, 
Just when I was going to criticise the commentators for not knowing the name of the move, I forget. I will have plenty of opportunities to do that when Bischoff starts talking about front-back skull kicks and whatever. That was a fantastic match. That was probably one of the best matches we've had on Nitro so far in the the series, you know. I'd I'd say it's up there, and it's definitely the longest. It has to be the longest. My my guesstimate was terrible. Um, Eight minutes, 36 seconds. Yeah. It it was, I don't know, like, as you said with the crowd, maybe they could have got to the finish a little bit faster, but no, that, that was good wrestling. And as, as I was going to say earlier, when, until that powerbomb took us both out of the game, uh, a second TV show was perfect for guys like that at the time. And one hopes that All Elite Wrestling has a similar platform for guys who are currently at the level these two guys were back in 95. Mongo's heavily branded them as cruiserweights, which I'm sure they won't appreciate too much, but Benoit would be in the in the finals for the first cruiserweight champion and Guerrero would hold the title several times, so that's the way they went. It's mean Gene. Hotline plug? Yeah, he's just mentioned the hotline. Yes. Rest in peace, you sleazy bastard. Just said one of the top officials in the WWF is history. Oh, that'd be Bill Watts, wouldn't it? Yeah. This was around that time. He didn't last long, did he? And the wrestler coming, getting into a fight with a fan and coming out the wrong end of it, or the short end of the seat, that'd be Shawn Michaels, wouldn't it? Syracuse, yeah. Timeline but they checks can't out. Talk about it, yeah. Can't talk about it here, but he can talk about it on the hotline. So that's a, that's interesting because we that's that's where you're directly mentioning the WWF by name. Although I'd have to double check exactly the nature of it, but they got in hot water several times, legally speaking, with the hotline, didn't they? There was also the infamous thing where. Uh, and it was quite a precedent-setting thing in, in media, actually, that Mark Madden tried to invoke uh, journalist privilege on information, even though he's just a blatant fucking shill for a company. And he couldn't spell journalist, let alone be one. So here we have... Oh, I think he said two weeks about Halloween Havoc. 13 days, checks out. And what's great is by pairing up Giant with Kevin Sullivan, you get a real height differential to make the Giant look bigger. Yes. Even even Mean Gene's taller than uh, or about the same height as Sullivan. They are indeed. Uh... The, the weird thing is, is, is they, were, they were very much keen to get Kevin Sullivan off TV, even by this point. So maybe that maybe the giant and that height difference just gave him something to cling on to. And then obviously you'd have the Benoit feud to justify it. Eight months from now. Mm. And yes, Hulk Hogan has an evil side. Hulk Hogan has an evil side. 
Yeah, so they're really going to try and press into this now. This was one the first. It was it was obvious that babyface Hulkamania just wasn't doing the business it used to, and it was kind of ticking off some potential new fans they could make. Uh, so this was the first attempt to try and flirt with changing things up with pot shots at dirt sheets and wearing black clothes. Uh, we're seeing the replay of the old uh, moustache going, he gave up his colours. Yeah, the week, the week after this, he did the promo in the ring, didn't he? And he was wearing black. Yep. Well, and this is the bit where they temporarily turn him into Hitler. Hulk Hitler. It's a beautiful shaving job Sullivan does there. I mean, he had a, he had a, 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 a backup, you know, if he got dismissed by WCW. <laughs> yeah. It has to be said, for for a man who's not officially had his first televised wrestling match yet, Giant is already super comfortable cutting a promo. He's sticking true to himself here, just doing the, you know, I'm I'm gonna pull you apart limb from limb. He's got the menacing voice. He's got you know all his mannerisms. It's easy to see why he's had TV and film gigs here or there whenever he's felt like it, really. And okay, he's putting his hand, putting his hand over Gene, Mean Gene's head. Mean Gene sells it better than Nick Patrick. Yeah. Pretty standard giant hill fair, but effective, I thought. There you go, Sunday, October 29th. So yes, we are two weeks, just under two weeks away. We were spot on, Dean. Spot on. Because after all, they really should be at this stage of things. They should be drumming that date into our heads. It's yeah, it's nothing to do with the fact that you and I are just stupid. It's, no, it's their fault. It's machine versus machine, Liam. <laughs> that's what people want. Fuck the wrestling match. We want the, you know we want to pay our money to see a monster race. What could possibly go wrong? Jesus. Did they have some kind of like sponsorship deal with some monster truck people or like man I don't know like whatever the whatever the monster truck racing league is called over there or whatever is it just an idea of creating these trucks? Yeah, you you know what not not in great detail but I'm pretty sure that the uh the tremendous Guy Evans book The Rise and Fall of Nitro does touch upon the monster truck debacle. So uh, I might have to give that a second read because the first read was amazing. I might have to just have another little touch-up. Because obviously we've got a couple more weeks of this angle. So in time for the next one, I'll come back with some of the some of the book. <coughs> Hogan will be on WCW Saturday night, apparently. Still updated to show him in his, in his new black garb. Without the moustache. It's Meng. Oh, no, before it's Meng, it's Disco Inferno. Now, has Disco Inferno wrestled a match yet, or is he just like 
danced at the moment. He hasn't wrestled a match yet on these watch-alongs, but he has wrestled very recently on TV. He lost to Scarlet Bordeaux on Impact, didn't he? So I heard, yes. Which I don't get at all because you know I, I was I, apparently I was in the minority as one of the few who thought the Scarlet Bordeaux character was great. You know we're in a we're in a period of empowerment of female wrestling. Uh, where it's more and more being taken seriously about to have a, uh, a female main event. And I like the fact that they took a very attractive lady and basically had her unabashedly come out and, and, and accentuate what people hated about women's wrestling back in the day. Made her a natural heel, but no, apparently she was doing the uh, the plucky underdog and, and beating a guy. I, I don't know. Can I ask what the fuck Meng is wearing? Uh, it's different to what he wears in the stills advertising his match. I love that. That giant animal mask. And here's Duggan getting the, the... Jim Duggan getting the pop of the night so far. Yeah, this is the thing. People bemoan how tired his act was and how lousy he was and he ring better. But the, the, the man just fired up crowds every time. And uh, Meng jumps him from the bell. I mean, he wasn't the greatest wrestler by any stretch of the imagination, but he he did a, a little tour of the UK last year, and every single person that worked with him said that he was like the nicest person they've ever met in their lives. You know. I mean, if you remember, uh, you know, WWE since the end of WWE have brought back a lot of former WWE acts for little one-offs and cameos, and I, I yeah. remember. Duggan was one of the guys who got a, a, an extended invite back. He was, uh, was in mid 2000s where he was, he came back for for a little while. He was showing up more than once. Not many nostalgia guys get that honour. Tatanka springs to mind as getting multiple returns, several Ooh. shots rather than one. There's not many of them, and it's the, it's the it's the way he fires up a crowd that I, I, I'd imagine is the reason why. Yeah, well, I mean, Meng went up to the middle rope to a cross body block, and I mean, he missed, but you don't often see Meng going up there. That, that was great. That was a springboard off the second rope. Yeah. Big clothesline from Duggan. He's setting him up. Bear in mind, Meng puts on about 50 pounds between here and 1999. So maybe, maybe it wasn't possible later on. Yeah. Oh, men got slammed, just no salt it, got back up again, booted Duggan in the face. Duggan is out for all intents and purposes, and it's the old Asiatic spike. It, I wonder if this actually works. Is that like... No, oh, it he's works. He's just, got the, he's just got the win with it. Because I guess you're, what, you're pressing your thumb against the... Uh, carotid artery oh yeah it's, it's a really lousy move don't get me wrong but what shocks yeah. me is that they've actually gone with it as a you know this isn't the Tongan death grip which he'd later use which he looks a little bit more convincing because he's basically pinching yes. the fucker's throat so now we're going to get what started off last week as a two on one challenge from an irate flair 
But yeah. we saw the things. He, he talked Sting into being his partner. They're advertising it as a tag match now. Yeah. Can I also mention that um, the uh, the Meng and Jim Duggan match lasted two minutes. The Benoit and Guerrero match lasted eight and a half minutes, but which is how it should be. But the the Meng and Duggan match got ten times the reaction from the crowd. Yeah. Although, in all fairness, a few of those spots really drew the crowd out during the Benoit Grower match. But, but yeah, over the course, you know, but by all intents and purposes, they're two like unheralded talents at this point, still making a name for themselves. Yeah. So it's not it's so, not too disheartening. It's kind of yeah. where where everything was at that time in '95, I guess, and better things yeah. would come ahead for them. So uh, we've got Hogan all in black with no moustache doing a promo with a background. This is like the old WWF 1980s superstars promos in front yeah. of a, a background. But this is uh, this is a, a black Hulk Hogan logo. So Hulk is desperately trying to update and modernise his look and he's doing so by cutting the same 80s promo with the same 80s manager and the same 80s green screen backdrop. <laughs> You've got to love that. He just, and until the penny finally dropped days before Bash of the Beach 96, he just didn't get it. He spent he spent five plus years in a vacuum as as and, and basically coasting off past glory. And he's still talking about the prayers and the vitamins. Yeah. He's basically just started dressing in black and he wonders why it didn't work as opposed mm. to when he next wears black as Hollywood Hogan. He's got Hall and Nash basically changing the landscape of professional wrestling. Jimmy Hart's worried. I don't know what he's worried about. He's, he's got two horses in this race. Oh, did I spoil that? <laughs> they have done a decent job, I must admit. They've been putting these subtle little hints in every promo that Jimmy Hart is liable to turn, and that's exactly what he does. There's no secret. It will be the end of one of the most baffling duos, Hogan and Hart. Well, as Jimmy Hart said to me when he was uh, the guest referee at British Uprising 3 for the FWA, babyface managers just don't work. No. Because I was a babyface manager at that point. I remember asking him before the show, I was like, what advice can you give for me as a babyface manager? Because I'm finding it really difficult to make it work. And he's just like, it doesn't work. Cheers, Jimmy. Yeah. Here's your advice. Turn heel on your client. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if I remember correctly, you were you were basically just bridging the gap there, where you had Burchill, who was a hill slash tweener, and it's kind of just naturally progressed, doesn't it? Yeah, became popular. But, yeah, basically, he was a rookie. They put me with him just to guide him through if he needed any help, and he he was fantastic and didn't need me after a little, a very short while. Yeah, do, do um, you think if he didn't get signed up by WWE so fast, do you think there would have been something in the pipeline where you turned on him? I reckon so. It would have been interesting yeah. to watch, but, you know, things happen the way they happen. 
It's a shame yeah. it never worked out better for him. So here he comes Arn and uh, Brian Pillman making their way to the ring and we're going to a commercial break. Now, at least we're going to a commercial break before the match has begun. If this was modern day Monday Night Raw, we'd have the entrances, the bell would ring, and five seconds later we'd go to an ad break. Yeah, and it's weird how it's so easy to forget that two years prior to this, Arn and Brian were at each other's throats as part of a very entertaining feud between an older incarnation of the Horseman and the Hollywood Blondes. Failed incarnation. But then after works out in tag team wrestling, like Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton, feverishly feuding as part of the Horseman in the Midnight Express, or Anderson and Blanchard in the Midnight Express. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, when they came together in the Dangerous Alliance, they, they basically marketed them as two tag team legends making a dream team didn't they yeah so here comes Flair to a huge reception nice purple robe I like that savage take fucking note (laughs) but big big pop for Flair he's looking over his shoulder kind of foreboding that maybe Sting's not actually going to show up he looks well, like he's, he's wondering where he is. He's most definitely on his own at the moment. Well, you expect two stars to have separate entrances, so it's a bit weird that he'd do the whole why, why is no one with me thing. Yeah, I mean, Anderson and Pillman had the same entrance, but you could and say that yeah. the level of single star. And they're ringing a bell, they're doing this, so... There's no sting for now. They definitely, we saw the graphic five minutes ago. They definitely. Yeah. Well, Heenan on commentary just said he has he hasn't seen Sting in the building. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the referee sell a chop? Yes. Flair gave to Pillman. Nick yes. Patrick, take legs. note. because <laughs> Pillman's legs flew up in the air and clipped him. I think, or nearly clipped him. Ah, oh, I, I thought it was a great touch. Well, that was a very nice touch, but Flair's in the wrong part of town, but he's taking them both on at the moment. Well, we're two minutes or less into the match, which means, you know, contractually, Babyface Fire will get him through. After that two yeah. minutes is up, he's up shit creek. What I also like is, like, he did a bit of the usual Flair pomp and ceremony entrance, but the pace that he walked to the ring was more deliberate. He was more determined. He was, you know, it's like he's still angry from the week before when he cut that batshit crazy promo at the end of the episode. For, for the fire he has always displayed in a babyface position, it's kind of disheartening that he has always been so keen to turn back kill. It must be a bigger picture thing, a business standpoint, because he's a really good babyface. It's not like he's dying out there or anything. He is not. He's a great baby. Fans want to cheer him. He soaks it in and he performs with vigour as a baby face. He must just make more money as a heel, I guess. Or just prefer it personally. I mean, it's one of those things. If you're a good performer, if you're a good character performer, you will be a good heel. You'll be a good face. You know, if... 
I, I'm sure it may, it may never happen, but I can tell you now, I'm absolutely convinced if they ever turned John Cena heel, he would be a fantastic heel because he's a fantastic face. Well, it, it made absolute sense that they didn't turn John Cena heel from a business standpoint. But oh, yes. What, but what was frustrating about it is that he had this so much depth, like he showed at one night stand against RVD when he had that chance just to spend 20 minutes as a temporary heel. He had that in his locker. They, I remember they run that angle with, with Kane who kept attacking him and telling him he had to embrace the hate and people were begging him to, to basically do what Hulk Hogan's trying to do at the moment, wearing black and pretending to be a tweener. But he's had chances and he's just done the same thing over yeah. and over again. Flair's gone mental now. He's uh, he, Pillman came off the ropes to try and break up the figure four on Anderson, and Flair dodged it and then put the figure four on Pillman. But now and Anderson's recovered, and uh, oh, we've got the typical Flair bump in the corner, but he's chopped, chopped Pillman. Flair's going up top. Hang on a minute, he might hit something. Jesus fucking Christ! Rick Flair just went up to the top rope and hit the move. This is why I should have stayed babyface. He was nailing axe handles on a weekly basis. That, that never happens. What the hell's going on? We've seen him go, what, three for three now as a babyface? Yeah. Oh, oh, man, that was a really nice move. He he went into the corner, hit heads with Pillman, and got spine busted by Anderson. Oh, and here comes Sting, showing all the, all the timekeeping of Southern Rail. Here comes Sting, five minutes late. It's funny how even when Arn hits a pretty routine spine buster with no real zip to it, it still looks better than half the spine busters you see everywhere else. And that's a lot of spine busters because WWE has most of their wrestlers use the same five moves. So now Sting is on the tag rope, but Flair's now getting the bejesus kicked out of him by the other two. Yeah, oh, so he's firing back with a chop. The, the crowd Pillman's are into this. Yes, crowd are into it. Pillman's selling is fantastic. But they, they are, generally speaking, they're dominating the... The heels are dominating, but Pillman's just missed a drop kick. And now Sting is getting the crowd into it. Tr- Flair is trying to crawl across to make the tag. This crowd are really properly big time into this. They're reacting huge. Anson's been tagged in. Sting's been tagged in. Here we go. Here's the old typical Sting babyface fire comeback, which he always said well. They could they could have run with this team for a little while. The the energy and the charisma between Sting and Flair, and the popularity considering how much babyface Hogan was failing, though maybe that's yeah. why we didn't see it for longer. <laughs> it's viable. Stereo Sting of splashes now one in oh in each corner. It's an all you can eat Sting of splash buffet. Indeed it is. I'm going to mention it again, Pillman's selling is tremendous in this match. 
Yeah. I mean, it was. I suppose it was for the best in the long run that they had the swerve finish in their pay-per-view rematch of this, but part of me wishes we just got these four for 20 minutes in a, yeah. a straight-up match. Anderson's got clotheslined over the top. Pillman's going up top. Pillman's been caught by Sting. Oh, he nearly did make that, but he's landed bollocks first on the top rope. The heels are down on the floor. Sting's in the ring. Flair's getting up to his feet now. Okay, he's counting fast. What do we say? Yep. Golden rule about when the referee gives a properly timed count is he's going to 10. We had, we had that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Ooh. So is Sting like a, like a politician's wife where, you know, the politician has been caught cheating for the fifth time, but the wife is standing by him because he's promised it will never happen again. Basically. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he, he has been swerved, turned and betrayed so many times. And it could, to be fair, it kind of played into uh, what became what the greatest angle in WCW history when he walked out on the company and said he was a free agent. He touched upon the fact that he gave guys like Lex Luger and Ric Flair undivided, undying, unending faith. And then at the first chance that the Stinger might be in the NWO, they they questioned him, and it mm. and it led to the greatness we got. So. Here we go. It's a promo with Mean Gene. Gene's calling him out for being a reluctant partner, even if he did eventually do really well at the end. He says he can trust the nature boy. Which obviously means he can't trust the nature boy. Sting, I love you, mate, but you're a fucking mug. Ah. So basically, he he was testing Flair and the fact that Flair was taking them both on. They have shown some heart. You know, so basically, he was testing Flair and wanted to see how he was fight, how he'd be fighting them both to make sure he wasn't in the trap, which he eventually is. I'm kind of hoping it turns out there's a promo that says that it was after this episode that Flair decided to to go speak to Arnon Pillman and, and go back to them. At, at this point that Sting left him for the first five minutes and decided he needed to be tested, that Flair decided, screw this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the horseman. <laughs> that, that makes more sense than it being a setup all along. It would, but... Every wrestling heel turn by the rules is always that it was a setup from the very beginning. I like like to think there has been storytelling in wrestling where it's been a little more believable. It's just a shame that they're in the minority. But that's even if it turns out that's not the way it was, that's the way I'm telling it in my head because we were in for some great storytelling on these first few weeks of Nitro. We've got Sting and Luger coming up in future months. 
the oh, NWO's yeah. only round the corner. And I did get, you know what, the reading the uh, the Guy Evans book did confirm what I suspected. We go to two hours with the start with uh, Scott Hall's first appearance. Oh. Which is, it, it's not a bad time to get into the extension. Oh, so next week we've got we've got Benoit and Malenko against Alex Wright and Eddie Guerrero. We've got Harlem Heat. We've got I think Harlem Heat v Luger and Sting maybe was that. And that is the end of episode seven. And so I, I had two decent timed matches, you know, for TV at that era. We had, you know, eight and a half minutes for Benoit and Guerrero, and we had seven minutes for um, for Flair and Sting. And, you know, good star power, Flair and Sting v. Anderson and Pillman. However, it got beaten in the ratings by a taped episode of, of Monday Night Raw, which was headlined by Bret Hart and Dr. Isaac Yankum in a steel cage. Yeah, to be fair, a steel cage is a is a is a good thing to have on a TV show, I suppose. In a, I mean, in they a had um, they had a steel cage match for um for Flair and uh, Anderson the week before, of course. They did. What what was that result again? What was that ratings result? I what? Who won that rate that rating? Yeah, I think WWF, but I can't. I wouldn't. I I need to check that. But I believe I believe this was where WWF was still winning on a regular basis. Yeah, because I, I know internally those they were, were very happy early doors with just you know they were very much in the ballpark. This this was not in initial forecast. They they were expecting to claw up to being within range of Raw the way they were right from the start. So very happy with the with, with the early goes of it, even though they didn't win too many weeks. And as we know, that, that will soon change. Um, yeah, it does look like it's going to be Sting and Luger versus Harlem Heat next week, going by the little WWE Network teaser when it tried to autoplay. Yes. But yeah, I've, I've got to say, that's for me, that's seven for seven. Uh, seven episodes and... I don't regret watching a single one. It's it's been good. It's if you go pass fail a seven passes. Uh, Hulk Hogan continues to be utterly utterly cringe at this stage of his career. But apart from that, everyone else is hitting strides. Even the guys in the angle with Hogan, you know, uh, the giant and Kevin Sullivan's promo I enjoyed. You know, take the monster trucks out of the out of the equation, and it's a it's an intriguing battle if you forget this whole crap about him being Andre's son. Uh, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm tempted to fire up Halloween Havoc 95 while doing these watch-alongs and just have a little private watch of that. Keep it in chronological order. Do another watch-along, then watch that, and then do the next watch-along. Could do. Yeah, could do. We haven't seen. Hey, hey, it's not like we've seen enough Halloween Havoc as it is, you know. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll wait as long as possible before we actually do an episode on it. But I'm, I might just, you know, between those two watch-alongs where Havoc resides, I might just fire it up, and then I'll instantly regret when the Yeti shows up on my screen. The Yeti. Marvelous. We got that to look forward to. Oh God, I've forgotten all about that. <laughs> eliminate it from my conscious memory. Cheers, mate. You're welcome. Right. Well, on that note, uh, with thoughts of the Yeti still to come, dry humping Hogan, uh, 
I think it is time for us to to sign off. Now, hopefully, we won't be too far away on the next episode, um, but we we have we have some concerns regarding your laptop. Yeah, basically, it's it's still being an ass. Uh, less than two months after finally getting it back, the the screen is still pl- well. It was fine for a little bit, but it's now. Couple of days ago, it started playing up, and it seems to be getting worse each time I attempt to use it. We did this episode via me sticking the HDMI cable into my front room TV, which allows me to see the laptop display on the TV while I'm actually using the laptop keypad and uh, and, and mouse pad. So that's going off on Tuesday. Hopefully, this time it'll be back a little swifter, especially because they've been forced to agree to do it without an additional excess. They're doing this for free because obviously whatever they did the first time was not good enough. It's There's yeah. been a few other problems and we want to keep this going. I enjoy doing this, so let's get this laptop fixed and let's get back on the... Because WCW Warpath... Indeed. Let's do that. Cool. Right, well... Thank you uh, for downloading this episode. Thank you for listening. We have, in fact, passed a little milestone because this past week we we have passed 10,000 total downloads, which for some some people it might not be that much. But, hey, for for us, for a little old podcast of two sad bastards, you like looking back over WCW, it's a big thing for us. So if you have uh, downloaded, whether it be one or all 31 of these, thank you very much. We do appreciate each and every one of you downloading. And if you do like it, then please do give us a follow on Twitter at BecauseWCW and tell a mate. Um, so until next time, this is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, on behalf of my colleague Liam Happ, saying thanks for listening, and I'll see you ringside.